podcast with Dan and Scott. Hottest golf podcast, whether you like it or not. Fresh from back in the day when that's a put at the park. 7 a.m. PM special where they played after dark. From the birds to the focus to the losses and the win. Welcome podcast, patron to the show, lead the pen. Get busy golfing or get busy dying. Hottest golf podcast and the swing ain't lying. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast, episode 154 ready. As always, I'm your host, Dan. Got my co-host with me, Scott. Got a lot to talk about, not only this week on the PGA Tour, but the stuff going on in the golf world, even though it's, quote-unquote, the old-school silly season. Scott, what's the good word? Episode 154. I feel like that was like the the winning composite score at the CJ Cup with all the <laughs> The ridiculously low, low, low rounds those guys shot out there. Yeah, four rounds shooting 154. It's just, it's, I mean, it was just stupid. It, it obviously wasn't, but you know, um, any crazier things have happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's let's get into the CJ Cup right away. This is uh, a tournament that is supposed to be played overseas, and due to COVID restrictions, it was played out in the American Southwest desert. So you literally couldn't get any different of a course. Than they had the CJ Cup aptly named. They give a plaque to the winner. There's no cup involved whatsoever. Scott, remember this was the course that was at Nine Bridges. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember where, mainland China or so, somewhere South Korea, uh, yeah. but somewhere in the in the Pacific. Um, and it was eight bridges on the course, and the ninth bridge was up to heaven. Yeah, I, I would like to just. I, I don't think enough was made of the fact that it's the CJ cup with the trophy is a plaque. (laughs) That's um, I I don't know. I feel like that's just like, they missed an opportunity to like make a pretty cool trophy. That's like cup shaped. Yeah. I I mean, it's like when you have the Ryder cup, it's sitting on the pedestal on the first tee, you Mm -hmm. know, on the singles competition, they could, they could have had it there. Everyone could have seen the CJ Cup. It could have been crystal, a uh, big golden thing, whatever. It could have been something. It could have been something enormous. They had an opportunity to make a great trophy that really stood out, and it is a plaque that literally says the CJ Cup on it. Yeah. You have won the CJ Cup. Tough times out there, Scott. Tough times on the PGA Tour. You know what? These title sponsors, they're, you know, they put all the money into the title, and they just don't have enough money left over for the trophy. Um, except for except for the good people at Sanderson Farms. Yes, greatest trophy, still, still the best there. trophy in in most of golf. Uh, so Rory wins uh, finally after all these years. Well, all these months, he's back. Uh, weeks after playing awful at the Ryder Cup, uh, Padraig mm-hmm. Harrington must be just pissed. Two of his guys won this week, right. and that's like what we talked about during the Ryder Cup, right? It's like any given week, guys can perform great and guys can have kind of an off day. Uh, I thought it was funny in the in the post round presser, Rory admitted to trying different things with his game. He literally said, "Yeah, I just started trying different stuff." Well, I mean, if you you're know, struggling before this if, win, yeah, if you're str- if you're Rory and you're struggling that much, you know, like yeah, definitely, like you gotta try and and figure something out. By the way, how long has it been, do you think, since Rory won last? Or do you know? No, I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm going to go uh, 14 months. Uh, it's less. Uh, eight months. Uh, like five. Oh, geez. He won, he won the Wells Fargo in May. 
Really? Yeah. And and well, okay. I mean, so I guess the I mean for him, it, that's yeah, a big slump. It, I was gonna say, but it feels like so long oh, because yeah, we're used I, to him winning three, four times a year. I would have thought it would have been a year and a half easily. Yeah. I was gonna I was gonna say eighteen months, and I figured I'd, I'd dumb it down a little bit. Here's what's crazy though, right? Here's what's crazy about golf and golfers, and you and I fall victim to this, and most of the listeners do too. Like, you're playing great, right? You're Tiger Woods, you're Rory McIlroy, you're playing great, you're winning tournaments, uh, you're competing at majors. I mean, anything you could have ever asked for, you're getting out of your game. And then out of nowhere, you're like, you know what would be a good idea? For me to change something up immediately. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's absolutely... Nuts, and and I I do it I do it all I do it almost every year in the winter I'm like I'm gonna rework my swing this winter, and then I I take video of it I get in the garage and I start to grind and then the first round of the spring I'm right back to swinging the way I am all the time. Well, well I mean you you know how I, I I play with that baseball grip. Yep. And like I have changed that at the range so many times, and just been like yeah I could do this like this is good like ah uh, you know more a little more stable whatever and then as soon as i step up to the first tee it's just like yeah now i'll just go back to that (laughs) yeah it's i mean and and nobody is immune to it right like tiger woods changed his swing four times already rory admitted like i i started changing my swing and i went back to what always worked and i just won the cj cup no one's immune my my son during the epc during our league tournament decided to play a different golf ball than he'd been playing all year and just tried some different things. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's something wrong with us as golfers that we do that. Right. Exactly. It's like this, yeah, especially the ball thing too. Like this ball that has been effective for me for years, like <laughs> I'm going to decide to like all of a sudden, like switch to the, the low spin version of the pro V one or something. Right. Right. Just absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. We all do it. And it's crazy. Yep. Um, it was nice. It was, it, I mean, you know, I love Morikawa. He put on a, a iron striking clinic there. Uh, mm. We know that's his home course. So, of course, he was going to finish, you know, relatively high. But, you know, what was real cool, which kind of made this, even though it's a, by all means, a throwaway, just, just a crap event. Um, what made it so cool was was Ricky being back up there, you know, top five for him. On a sponsor's exemption. Yeah, no less, which which unfortunately is shows how far he's fallen and what he needed to get in to events was the sponsor's exemption. Now this right. little top three he had is gonna is gonna really help out. Well, this all this is not a full field event. So, you know, obviously, you know, it it, it is how the mighty have fallen, but you know, there's also only eighty guys who played, I think, or something right. like that. Right. You know, but what 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 it's good for him is it looks good for other sponsors. You know, yep. one of one of maybe let's say, I don't know how many tournaments are there. Fifty tournaments a year, forty eight tournaments That's, a year, forty eight yeah, different sponsors. Some absurd amount. Yeah, okay. he's probably sponsored by forty of those. So the eight others that he's not sponsored by that aren't going to give him those free exemptions. Now look at this and say, hey, you know what? Ricky's in the field and and he's not just a puppet anymore. He's not just a, you know a look good type guy that we brought him in. Like he can actually play. He's going to give our field some depth right exactly and again we watched it with speed like uh, yeah like he might play awful but he also might you know tie for third sure so 
in all honesty, yeah, other than yesterday, he he was lighting it up. So I think it's it's always uh it's always so unfair to the golfers that they always show like the thirty six and fifty four hole leaders. I would love to see historically what percentage of PGA tour or corn ferry tour, European tour, LPGA tour golfers actually win events where they have the 36 or the 54 hole lead. I mean, mm. I guarantee it's not astronomical. You know, it's not over 50%. I almost, I'd, I'd put money on it. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think it, I mean, I think it, depending on who it is, I mean, obviously, you know, Tiger, when he had the 54 hole lead was basically a lock, but when wasn't he basically a lock when he was in the field? Right. Um, but yeah, you're you're right. Like I, I definitely feel like, you know, unless you're running away with it, if you have a one or two stroke lead, like at some point on Sunday, you're losing the lead. For sure. For sure. I mean, and very, very difficult to sleep on that fifty-four hole lead overnight going into Sunday. Well, and because well, you also have everyone gunning for you. And you know, putting together, and that's why, you know, they're professional golfers, but putting together four, you know, great rounds without having, you know, a bad one, like that, that's tough to do Yep. or else everyone would do it. So for sure, for sure. Uh, some other news, Phil is on a complaint rant. This is a great thing that we gave him technology and Twitter and social media, but USGA mm. decided they're going to move the driver limit from 48 to 46 inches. Now it's not a mandatory. They're making it kind of a local rule for tournaments. Um, obviously the PGA tour is probably going to, uh, you know, adapt that, uh, mm-hmm. the RNA is going to adapt that. It'll filter down to corn ferry, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I think what they're doing with this is trying to get ahead of the curve, right? They, they lost, they lost the curve when it came to golf balls. They had a chance in the mm-hmm. early 2000s to rein it back. They didn't. And now we have Bryson competing in long drives, right, and driving the first green of the Ryder Cup. Right. Um, so golf manufacturers do a great job at pinpointing what is wrong in equipment and fixing that almost instantaneously. So right now, really, there's no one playing a 48-inch driver. Like, Brooke Henderson on the LPGA Tour plays one. Um, You know, she's Canadian, so they're a little bit odd up there. Uh, They do things their own way. But no one's really playing this 48-inch driver because it's not that accurate. Right? It's it's almost so long that it's not – like, the added distance, the mile per hour or two that you get in that extra two inches over the maximum of 46 – is not worth spraying it offline 15 to 20 yards. But if there was a need and enough tour players and enough hype and enough sponsorships come down and those 48-inch drivers get onto shelves and enough amateur and regular golfers start buying it, well, you'd better damn well believe that they're going to find a way to optimize the results of a 48-inch driver. So I think the I think the USGA is just trying to you know curtail distance any way they can um, cause look, the, the, the cat's out of the bag. You're not, not getting it back with a golf ball. Like that's never changing. The, the equipment companies are too strong nowadays. You know, it, it's funny that you, we, we had this conversation literally about, you know, changing your swing at, to pick up. A, and again, obviously they would, but to pick up the few extra yards that you might get by using the, the, you know, longer driver, like, is it really worth changing your whole setup for it? 
I, you know, personally, I mean, as you know, I use like a, a 44 inch driver because I, I just like it a little bit shorter because that's just the way, you know, my swing works, the way my body is right. like that, that works for me. Like these guys, like what they're using works for them. Like, and I know they would, because again, like once everyone starts picking up 10 yards, well, then I have to also, but to me, it just doesn't seem like the, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone for someone like a Dustin Johnson is really worth it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, you know, I, I try to think of, of who this would impact more. And I really don't think, like, I really don't think the old heads on tour the ones that are set in their ways that have had 10, 15, 20, let's say even 35 wins and a major here or there. I don't, I don't know if I really see them changing, you know, but I see it like the up and comers, like the top level amateur guys, the top level collegiate, the mm. mini tour guys who, who aren't there yet and are looking for anything to gain a leg up on the competition. And if it means playing a year with a full, 48 inch driver and figuring out how to control it, you know, so, so instead of a nine iron, they have wedges into greens, you know, like I, I could see those guys going that route. But I, like I said, I really can't, like, I can't envision a, a Rory or, you know, a JT going and changing their whole setup. Right. It just, it doesn't seem like it's worth it to them. No, yeah, you no. bring up a good point though. Like, if you get those like to the high end amateurs or you know, people who are, are just coming out on tour for the first time and who want to get that advantage, you know, if it makes them you know one or two more cuts, that's the, the difference maybe between keeping your, your card and having to go back to corn ferry, so. yeah, exactly, exactly. And if the difference of making one or two cuts becomes the difference in getting on tour or not. Right. What's the difference of making one or two cuts? It's probably half a stroke. Right. So what does that become? Hit an extra green per round. Right. Dropping an extra putt, uh, hitting something three feet closer per round. And all that could be set up with increased distance because then you're putting shorter clubs into your hands, which then, you know, become the scoring clubs. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, I, you know, I don't I don't think it's as big of a deal as as Phil's making it out to be. You know, I, I feel like at times feels like angry old man yelling at clouds out there. Well, I mean, I don't want to say anything to say relevant, because in all honesty, if he just shows up and plays golf, he's relevant. But, uh, you know, I, I guess he feels like, you know, he's the, the elder statesman of the game right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree him and uh, relevant elder statesman yeah um, i mean obviously you know him and tiger the the two biggest names i mean jack obviously still kicking around right but not but, relevant in today's technology conversation yeah exactly you know it's so. it's funny that you mentioned that because you take phil and while i feel like his opinion should be respected because he's been out there and has played you know i mean played wooden clubs all the way till now get someone like him who's willing to push the envelope of technology because technology has helped his game so much. Then mm. you converse that with Tiger, who is almost the anti-technology voice because, I mean, let's be honest, real golf fans understand that Tiger's win totals have been hampered 
by the advent of technology because there was nobody that played with you know wooden clubs better than tiger with a spinny ball better than tiger right i mean if if we were stuck in early 2000s late 90s with that technology nowadays i mean gosh what would he have 30 majors you know well, 110 wins well that's and that's the thing like if you remember way back you know he was really reluctant to make the switch from he was know, one of the last guys yeah yeah and again a, a lot of this technology is you know it's the result of the golf boom it's the result of you know the you know yardages on the tour going up which is all ultimately you know the result of tiger woods right right so at, yeah, I mean, the, it, it's the tiger-proofing of yep. golf. Like, we talk about it all the time at, at, at the Masters, right? They tiger-proof the course. What do they do? They just made it longer and longer and longer. And now technology is, has caught up with that, right? The technology needed to deal with the fact that now Augusta was going to play 69, 7,000 yards, and all the other courses seemed fit to follow in their footsteps as well. Right. Yeah. But, it, you know, it's, 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 it's a never-ending cyclical battle. I still don't understand. I mean, you, you mentioned the ball. I still don't understand why they can't just play with a standard, you know, tour ball that has, you know, some limited capabilities. Yeah, I, I, I just think the, the Although I, lobbyists I, I, at like a Cushnet and, and Titleist, yeah. Callaway and Bridgestone, just they're, they're too powerful. They make too much money off of it. Right. Yeah. Well... Let's uh let's talk about something that's classic no matter the time, Scott. And that would be Eagles and Arrows golf. Um, I got to tell you, my boys went out and played golf this weekend. And my youngest, Drew, always wears his mesh trucker back Eagles and Arrows golf hat, which I always think is is kind of super cool. And, and my oldest, Lydon, who just finished up his freshman year uh, in high school for the golf team, once the regular season was over, you know, we made him wear the team shirt to leagues, district qualifier, and then ultimately the district tournament. But we let him choose his own hat. And every single time he went out and played, he wore one of his Eagles and Arrows hats. That was his good luck hat. Okay. And I bet he was not only uh, the one of the, the better performing golfers out there, but he was probably the best looking. This is very true. And best I, dressed golfer. Best dressed for sure. And I actually even even forsaken my team hat, uh, which was also created by Grant at Eagles and Arrows, but for an actual Eagles and Arrows hat. And, and one cool side note, we're going to have uh, Grayson Blunt, who is a top Division One collegiate golfer, made to the round of 16 at the USM this summer. Actually, maybe it might have been the round of eight, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, he's, mm -hmm. he's sponsored by Eagles and Arrows. So it'll be interesting to talk to him, um, you know, to – to see the the mindset and how things have changed and how collegiate golfers have now been able to, you know, seek out sponsorship opportunities, you know, be able to license their names and stuff like that out there, which is which is pretty cool. I was very happy that Grant kind of got him on board. Seems like an awesome, awesome dude. Well, and you know what, for for those those players at at every level, you know what one of the things that is awesome about it is that like it seems like it's not just limited to, you know, the you know, the the college football and and basketball like it's not just limited to you know the sports that are on tv like 
I've seen like girls field hockey players get sponsored. Yeah, yeah I've seen it's awesome. Yeah, um, you know, women volleyball, you know, rowing, obviously golfers like that. That's awesome, and that's in all honesty, like those players, they deserve to get something. Um, so I think it's it's great that they have an opportunity, especially like you can represent a brand like Eagles and Arrows. What do you you know? What do you really have to do? Go shoot a few Instagram videos. You know, wearing some you know sick gear, and that then you're done. Like okay, like that that works. Yeah, so. you just think of how many niche companies are within these sports. You know, Eagles mm-hmm. and Arrows being a being a perfect one. While while definitely a lifestyle brand is is specific to golf, right? So how many people outside of golf would ever really see that? You know, I mean, and and it, it runs the gamut from from basketball to archery, you know, to wrestling to swimming i mean they, they all have these niche brands which can now be kind of yep. have the masses eyes opened up to them you know and a lot more people looking at them so that's going to be a cool opportunity check them out online www.eaglesandarrowsco um on instagram and then eaglesandarrows.com on the world wide web as we like to say scott yep definitely all right. Um, one of the other things, this this actually comes from an actual tour pro I spoke to over the weekend. Uh, got a little bit of inside information on why this is. Press release was October 12th, so a few days ago or so. Uh, J. Andrew Pazder, Chief Tournament and Competitions Officer of the PGA Tour, sent out a letter to PGA Tour members uh, that basically said, due to the increase in utilization of TPC Network Clubs by PGA Tour champions and Corn Ferry Tour members and the demand on those clubs by their members and guests, members of the three international tours, they are as follows, Latino America, McKenzie, and the China Tour will no longer receive playing or practice privileges at Sawgrass, Scottsdale, Summerlin, TPC Las Vegas, effective January 1st, 2022. And PJ Tour Champions Associate members no longer receive playing or practice privileges at all TPC Network clubs. So I had posted on Instagram that, you know, it must be real tough times for the PGA Tour, not allowing all these other members access to these clubs. Because mm-hmm. one of the great perks of having a card, no matter where it is, but having a tour card somewhere, having conditional status somewhere, was the ability to use any of the TPC clubs across the country. Food, right. playing privileges, practice facilities, all comp by the PGA Tour. And then I talked with an individual who has his card and said the reason they did that is not because they're hurting for money. But with COVID, you know, we realized that golf blossomed, grew exponentially. A mm. lot of people now working from home. A lot of people have the opportunity to play at these clubs more often. And all these pros were basically just milling around. Guys with like just not even conditional status, like unconditional status on these tours kept coming to these clubs and just hanging out, eating free food every day, practicing all the time, playing rounds, playing money games at these courses. And finally the tour was like, all right, enough. If you don't have an actual 100% full tour card, like you're out. We can't have you just, you know, like sleeping on our couch anymore when you don't have a home. That <laughs> um, uh, sounds like this is the uh, right, <laughs> the correct decision. Right. So, uh, you know, at first, you know, I came into it with a kind of cynical, sarcastic view. And then he kind of enlightened me and was like, dude, you don't realize how many people that don't have tour cards 
that are, you know, pros that have played on tour go there every day for lunch and then spend three hours in the practice range and then call up their buddies and then gamble with them on the course. And he's like, and they, they, they give nothing back. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the, right. these courses aren't getting anything from them, but these guys are just milling around, eating them out of house and home. Uh, yeah, uh, sounds like it was time to cut it off. <laughs> I mean, and honestly, let's I mean, let's be serious, Scott. If somebody said to us, like, hey, if you have a podcast, you'll get to play this course. I'd be there all the time. Be like, yep, whatever. That's cool. I have one. I'm there. Oh, free food, yeah. free golf, free, <laughs> free range I, balls. I'd even. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, you can hang out at CBC Sawgrass all day. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> So what day is he going to be there? Uh, all of Every them? Day. Yeah. <laughs> all, all of them? <laughs> like, and uh, this, this tour pro told me too, he says, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's very uncouth for these guys to do that. But these guys like have no shame whatsoever. And he said, you know, I had the ability for a few years to show up to these clubs and practice and play. He says, I never did it because I, I said to myself, like, I'm not going to be that person until I get my card until I get my actual tour card, I'm not going to utilize those services because I'm not really a member. Right. Yeah. It's just I had, okay, I had, you know, conditional status on, on this tour. It's got me into like four events before the reshuffle. And that's what happens with these guys. They get into, you know, four events in like 2019 and in 2021, they're still hanging around. Yeah. yeah. You know, tell, telling the chef like, hey, come on, man, I need this done medium today. I gave it to me medium well yesterday. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. I said no bacon. This has bacon. <laughs> uh, in in some other golf related news that made I don't know I don't know if you say headlines, but Lane Kiffin <laughs> got hit with a golf ball after Old Meat beat them at uh, at Tennessee. Yeah, I saw that, and <laughs> uh, I guess like. I, I don't really follow college football well enough to to know that much about it, but apparently he deserves it. So they, I'll, uh, I'll just go with it. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> su- supposedly uh, every time Tennessee had a drive, an Ole Miss player went down and got hurt. The calls were all going against Tennessee, so the fans started throwing a ton of stuff on the field, right? Bottles, wrappers, garbage, whatever. And then a golf ball came and hit him. And he said, uh, he said, I got hit with a golf ball, but at least whoever threw it was smart enough to throw a dirty range ball, not a Pro V1. Mm. But so here's my question, Scott. Someone had to premeditate that. Maybe not throwing mm. it on the field, but going to a, a football game like, with, with a golf, golf ball in your pocket. Like, how does that occur? I, I wonder if it's like, well, I don't know what the weather was like, but maybe like they had like a, like a pullover or something like that that they they just grabbed out of the car because they're like ah I might get cold and grab this pullover and then there there was a golf ball in the pocket because they had worn it for golf like the day or you know day or two before or something like that oh, that makes sense that makes sense but well then I go gotta ahead. go back and ask you why is this guy pilfering like dirty range balls I could see if it was like you know an actual like you know Callaway or Titleist or something like that. Mm. You know, maybe there was a T in his in his pocket too, and a ball mark, and he's like, "Ah, oh, you know, gosh, can't believe this stuff is in here." When I just got done playing golf or something like that, right? But it's 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 like it's a dirty range ball. I, I mean, you you know, there are people who, you know, that's how they mark their ball. 
Does it say range on it? Yep, that one's probably mine. That's mine. Two red lines on it. That's how I mark it. That's my alignment aid. Um, yeah, no, that the the one that actually the thing that got me the most wasn't the golf ball. It was the the um, squeeze bottle of mustard. <laughs> yeah, like the only thing I'm thinking is maybe maybe up top where the concessions were being sold that that was out there. Or like out of the luxury box, maybe. I feel like they wouldn't put that out, especially now with COVID and stuff like that. Like they wouldn't put a bottle of mustard out. But maybe like in a luxury box they would. But I'll tell you what, here's here's what's weird. In all the baseball games we went to this summer, they wouldn't give out those little packages of ketchup because they were so scarce. But they had bottles in like a condiment station Hmm. right near wherever – you know, we got food. Interesting. And and not like not like the ketchup pump. You know what I mean? Not like the big pump thing where you pump it and put your hot dog under or hamburger or whatever. Like just mm-hmm. actual regular bottles sitting out there. I don't know, maybe it was cheaper or something like that, or with the supply chain being so messed up, maybe that's the only thing that came through. Interesting. Uh you know. Who who knows? Who knows? To eat their own down in Tennessee. Um hey, speaking of college coaches. Did you, and not necessarily college coaches, but it, it is part of the story. Um, you following J.R. Smith at all? I am following J.R. Smith, of course. And, uh, you know, for those that don't know, J.R. Smith, a uh, NBA champion, had some eligibility left in college and is back playing at North Carolina A&T, playing golf at North Carolina A&T. And yeah. I, I assume taking classes, too. Right. He's going back to get his degree as well. I would assume that they're making him take classes, especially considering it's not like he can be under the radar. <laughs> right. Because, uh, you know, there's articles about him, like, just barely breaking 80 on, you know, in golf, you know, college golf tournaments on, like, PGATour.com, ESPN. Right. And it's know. hard to miss, like, a six foot five, heavily tattooed dude in tight joggers out on the course. Yep. Exactly. So. He, uh, I, I have to say, I mean, I'm on PJJor.com. This outfit that he's got on right now in this picture is pretty, pretty sweet. Is it the the navy blue one he was wearing? He's got like a navy blue hoodie on, white yeah. pants, and uh, what looks like Air Max 97s that are pretty sweet. Yeah. No, no, definitely, uh, definitely repping a good look. It's, it's so funny. I watched some video of it, and you see him like juxtaposed <laughs> to these like he was. They were playing at Elon, and Elon was there, and guys mm-hmm. from Temple. <laughs> you know, they're like, it just it's it's wild looking, you know. But good yep. for him, dude, because I mean that's that's gotta be a a pressure cooker, unlike anything he's been used to. You know, I think it's the hardest thing in the world is to play tournament golf. Honestly. Oh, definitely. I mean, and you know, again, like you know, pressure cooker, like. Guy's got two NBA championship rings, so uh, you know I think he's good at dealing with pressure. But there's a big difference between being, you know, one of five guys on the floor, and you're now the only one holding the golf club. Right, and, and playing a sport that you've played for 25 plus years in basketball. Now mm-hmm. you transition to a competitive arena in a sport that you've been playing for, you know, I mean, really playing. And practicing hard for for five years, six years. Right. Yeah, it's true. So yeah, Just, I mean, all all power to him. That's fantastic. 
Yes, he is. Uh, he is in the, the best part of this article at the end is he has a, a round of golf set up with um, former North Carolina basketball coach Roy Williams, who had recruited him in 2004 before he decided to jump straight to the NBA. So. And that cool. is that's an opportunity that most collegiate golfers are not going to get. No, that's definitely play not with the great. Roy Williams, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, I'm a college athlete now, coach. <laughs> and Roy's like, yeah, thanks, JR. <laughs> 20 Appreciate years it. too late. <laughs> Appreciate it. Hey, and now with the NCAA allowing college golfers, like we talked about, or college athletes to get, you know, he can have sponsorships from whoever now. Well, that's the thing. I wonder if he's getting like Nike shoe money or something like that. Like, I'm assuming he was with Nike because he's got Nike shoes on in this picture. But right, wonder if they're they're still like yeah, like um, yeah, your shoe contract was for like two million a year. So, you know, we're we're gonna throw you some money. Ah, well, that, that, be, that's that's would... cool, Phil Knight. How yeah. much do you think? Like one, like one and a half million. <laughs> and meanwhile, there's a kid who plays like number six on the team that only goes to like two tournaments a year in a home match, who's just happy to get like a pair of golf gloves. You know, and, yeah, and some teas. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, before we get into listener questions, and of course, like always, I do it, you know, way too late. I put it up like 45 minutes before we're mm-hmm. going to record. So people don't even have enough time to even look at or ask questions. Um, last thing I had on my notes for today's show, Scott, is Sports Illustrated just did an article where they are basically estimating the PIP money that the PGA tour is going to play out or pay out, excuse me. Mm. And, uh, so here's, here's who they have first and second. They have Tiger first and Rory second. Now that's according to the number of Google searches for them. So they estimate that Tiger is going to make $8.8 million from Jay Monahan for doing absolutely nothing this year, except for crashing his car. This was always going, (laughs) this was always going to left you completely speechless. It's it. This was always going to be a, how can we give tiger some money thing? Like they should just give tiger some money (laughs) and then just start the pip thing after him. Like exclude him and say, Hey, here's the tiger fund. He gets 10 mil a year just because and you guys can fight out for the rest. I mean, look look what it's done. It literally, like, it made Ian Poulter look, look like a moron filming all these stupid things. We now know, like we said in the beginning, that Brooks and Bryson were fraud in order to kind of get in on that money. But mm-hmm. just, like, the dude hasn't hit a golf ball. He hasn't been at a tour event. The only thing he did was get into a car accident. And he's going to make eight, almost $9 million for it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, whatever. Like, like, and and so Jay Monahan says he goes, yeah, we have no plans on uh, discussing and letting the public know who won what amount of money. Just like everything else with the PJ Tour, it's this veil of secrecy, like going to see the Wizard in Oz. Um, it, it's just like it, this has nothing to do with golf whatsoever. Nothing. What? That's. Uh, I mean, I I know they're like super secretive about stuff but like why wouldn't you just tell us i don't know right don't why 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 announce it and say we're gonna give out all this money and whoever has the best social media engagement and really kind of you know moves the needle but we're not gonna tell you who yeah yeah (laughs) i 
I tell you what, there's some times where I think people that work for the PJ Tour must be the, but like literally the dumbest people in the world when it comes to business acumen and common sense. Mm. Yep. Uh, yeah. So Rory second, and then uh, they figure the, the rest is going to be Jordan Spieth, Phil, DJ, Bryson, Ricky, JT, uh, Kepka, and then John Rahm. You know, the problem is... You- uh, uh, Spieth being ahead of... Right. Well, no, that's not in any order. It's not in any particular. Oh, order. okay. I thought they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I no, thought no. you were giving me an order. I was like, yeah. I, I get like, you know, Spieth coming back. You know, popular guy. Like, uh, I feel like Bryson, just because he's so out there, moves the the needle more. I'm really surprised that it wasn't Bryson in second, and and Rory after that. I mean, I understand Rory's like the most popular active golfer. You know, and he's Mm -hmm. he's the name like he like for those people that are like, I don't know, I'd say 30 years old, 30 ish or so. Like that's their guy. Right. That whole generation, they're Rory people. And even if they're kind of laissez faire golf fans, they know Rory. A few people are starting to know Bryson, but they don't they don't know his name. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, that dude who wears the Puma hat and fights with the other guy and hits the ball far away. You're like, oh, Bryson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And also the, the uh, this isn't just the U.S. Um, right. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. yeah that, that that pulls in a lot. Yeah. And that's why I think Rom is so far up there, because, you know, let's be honest, there's there's not too many casual golf fans are like oh i know john rom he's the number one player in the world no you don't no you don't no all right let's get to some listener questions and we'll get out of here nice short quick episode we got two questions tonight scotto uh this this one obviously is someone that is is uh a longtime listener of the show uh droopy and it says why is bryson the best golfer in history I feel like that's someone <laughs> push our buttons. <laughs> right. So it's like Bryson, best golfer in history or best golfer ever. <laughs> uh, why is he the best golfer in history? Um, because all the golf history books from before 2018 are lost. <laughs> that might be the only way. You know, I, I, I like I said, I'll give the man his credit. He does things his own way. He thinks outside the box. I love it. Um, I, I think he's insane sometimes, and and some of his machinations are just absolutely absurd. Um, I'm not sure he really believes everything that he always says, but at least he says it with conviction. I'll give the, him that. The sport needs characters, and yes, he's does. a character. Uh, Joe MC five cent. Maybe it's Joe Mick five cent. Joe MC five cent. Long time follower, long time listener says, who is the top high school golf team in Pennsylvania? And why is it LaSalle high? I'll give you some info on that, Scott. Mm. I had to look it up myself. I didn't know that LaSalle high is a, a very ultra private school outside the Philadelphia suburbs, right? A lot of money down there. Makes sense. Yeah. So they're on like a 21-match win streak. They went 20-0 this year. I think they've won three state titles in the last decade or so. Uh, Simple. It's a private school. They recruit. It's money. Yeah. I I mean, a public school like, like, you know, everyone knows that I coach um, at Pleasant Valley where my son plays. 
and we have one player that plays golf. That's my son. We have our number two who started this year, uh, had played but never played competitively. And then we have one other kid that can break 100. And then I have a bunch of like 130s and 140s. Like that's public school golf, you mm. know, in, in, a, in a non-affluent, let's say just normal middle class area, right? Which I, I guess we consider ourselves a little bit rural out here. But that's, that's high school golf. You know, you, you cannot compete with teams that have the drawing ability and boarding capabilities to, to house people at a school so kids can come from anywhere. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, I, 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 I'm in the Westchester area. Let's go with that. And, um, you know, there's a huge difference between Westchester, New York. Because we'll have a yeah. lot of people that say Westchester, PA, which is actually near where this LaSalle is. But right, Westchester, that's New true. York. Yeah, there, there's a huge difference between what some players, you know, and I'll, I'll say down county, because there's two parts of Westchester, there's southern Westchester and northern Westchester. Um, there's a huge difference between what the, the kids who uh, in southern Westchester have access to compared to what kids in northern Westchester have access to. Sure. So even, I mean, even the, the public courses down in southern Westchester are tilling house design. So, well, you had even told me, you know, off air a few weeks ago that kids making it to the state tournament or at the state tournament shooting like mid to high 80s. In yeah. New York. Yeah. I, yeah. Like the, the kids who are like finishing like, you know, in the, the top 20, let's say, are shooting like 82. Right. You know, they're averaging like 160 for the, the two rounds. Yeah, now here in PA, we went to a one day because of COVID last year, and same thing this year. But prior to that, PA State Championship, AAA, which is is the bigger schools, which is what we're in. Double A is mm-hmm. the smaller schools, and they're you know they're really small. Like an entire high school in Double A will have like six hundred kids. You know, gotcha. Type. Um, oh, so know, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, so we have two classifications: double and triple A. Um, and most of the AA schools are your kind of real rural schools. Actually, the, the school district that our home course is in, Palmerton, they're a AA school. Uh, they're actually a bigger AA school, and one of their kids took third at States this year. But, uh, but two years ago when they had the last 36-hole state championship, you know, the kid that won it shot eight under for two days. And, yeah, I mean, that's – pretty good yeah for two days because yeah, i'm sure he didn't shoot you know 68 68 one of those is probably it was it was you know, 60, 67 69 i believe oh, okay that's pretty close yeah, yeah. i'm gonna say it probably went really low on one of the days but yeah still pretty good yeah it's ex- absolutely exceptional but yeah i mean there's this but the thing is like even when they have those classifications Right. It doesn't matter with golf because you can be a great golfer and be a small school. You can be a great golfer, be at a big school like it's irrelevant. You know, with well, golf. And th- that's it's not like thing. a team it's, thing. Yeah. It's access to, you know, private lessons, you know, uh, better equipment, better courses like that. That kind of thing is, you know, that's what matters in golf. So, you know, it, a lot of in a lot of cases, it's just what your family has access to. In terms yeah. of funds, 
Yeah, we we had a big. It, it's funny you mentioned that, like the better courses and stuff. We played our district tournament at the Steel Club, Donald Ross Design, nineteen twelve. Um, we went from playing public courses of about six thousand yards to the district tournament course, which played at sixty seven fifty. I mean that's yeah. that. I mean that's a punch in the throat. That yeah, that is someone punching you in the throat on the first tee. That's like playing two extra holes. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, the difficulty that we saw during the year was nothing like what I saw driving around and seeing these undulating greens. And, you know, I mean, your typical Ross course, very small greens, uh, a lot of them perched up high because of the topography of this of this course, narrow landing areas. I mean, it mm-hmm. was it was eye opening, you know, definitely, it definitely, definitely uh, set us up for a new game plan in the offseason to next year. Uh, everything is distance. Everything is speed. That's the bottom line. Okay. All yeah. right. Anything else for the good of the order, Scott? That's it. Just the two, the two questions. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, like I said, I, I literally I put it up like half an hour before we started recording. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. And like at that point, I think there was like 105 people that had looked at it, you know, mm. and people probably breezed past and were like, ah. Eh whatever they're probably already recording that's actually someone said this i was gonna it's gonna send you questions but i figured you guys were already recording at that, that time like yeah i, I kind of yeah. i put it up a little bit late and i do I, that every time i will also just you know talking about instagram like you you did post a picture of me um putting in front of what i will call the the ghost of bogey's past yeah where um, where was that that was haunted mini golf, and okay. I'll, I'll I'll throw a little shout out to DC Sports. Not that anyone's listening, um, but uh, yeah, maybe who knows? But uh, yeah, that's uh, DC Sports. It's a mini golf slash simulator, you know, place not too far from my house. I used to play golf with the guy who owns it um, back in the olden days. Um, so. Yeah, it was a fun little thing. My daughter wanted to do it. They scare you for a few holes, and then other than that, just kind of like Halloween decorated mini golf. Do people jump out at all? Uh, not while you're golfing, but there's oh, okay. So what they did is they the first three holes were sort of like set up like a haunted mansion, we'll say. Okay. And that's where they have like the scarers, and then as you kind of go through the remaining fifteen holes. You know, there's just kind of decorations and stuff like that. And then we got to, I think it was 16 or 17. And then they had one other like person out there, like with a spooky costume or something like that. Was hiding there ever, in the shadows. Ever a moment where you had the inclination of like swinging your golf club at them? So uh, that particular hole, the uh, my my ball ended up very close to where uh, the person was sort of like hiding in the shadows. And uh, now that I wanted to swing my golf club at her, but I definitely like I, I missed like a four foot putt because I was freaking out. <laughs> it's a pretty cool concept, though. It was fun. It was fun. I will say that yeah, I, I don't know if it was, you know, an exceptionally good mini golf putter or just, you know, the putting stroke is is feeling good. But I, I was feeling pretty good, you know, being out there. So. Well, I've got to ask because the people want to know, have you played since the one time that you played this year so far? I think we need to have like a a counter for how long it's been since I've played. (laughs) 
So next, I'll I'll count down the days. Okay. And the next time we play, the next time we we record, we'll do like a little like we'll make a production out of it. Let's say. Okay. I like that. That sounds like a good bit. Okay. Beautiful. Because the answer is obviously no, other than <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right, people, on that note. I looked at my golf clubs the other day, though. Oh, well, I mean, hey, that's... uh, They're still there. Okay. I mean, as long as they haven't abandoned you yet, you know? No, 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 no. They're They're like, hey, buddy, what's going on? As long as you, you know, remember what they look like as well. I guess that's... uh, They're not too far away from your heart. No, no. They're still... Still remember what they look like. Every now and again, I do take the Eagles and Arrows head cover off my driver just to... Say hello, but <laughs> yeah. All right, people. So either get busy golfing or get busy dying. Be good, everyone. At Eagles and Arrows, we supply timeless style and high quality golf essentials. We strive to provide the personal attention that consumers deserve. We're taking extra steps to personally and thoughtfully design our goods to bring you the best products out there. In 2021, we are releasing a new head club cover every month. We're releasing several new hat designs, including the Tremendous Slouch, which is on our website right now. We're also doing custom designs on our gloves and all of our leather goods. At the end of the day, we're all about living life to its fullest and enjoying this amazing game that we love with great people. Love golf, live life, Eagles and Arrows. Check us out on Instagram at Eagles and Arrows CO and online at www.eaglesandarrows.com.